So our Bible reading comes to us this morning from the second of Paul's second letter to the Corinthians, chapter one, the first first eleven verses. And this little part here is entitled Greeting. Chapter one. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the church of God that is at Corinth, with all the saints who are in the whole of Acacia, grace to you and peace from God, our Father, Lord Jesus Christ. God of all comfort. Bless, uh, verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction so we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For as we share abundantly in Christ's suffering, so through Christ we share abundantly in comfort too. We are afflicted. If we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and our salvation. And if we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which you experience when you patiently endure the same sufferings that we suffer. Our hope for you is unshaken, for we know that as you share in our sufferings, you will also share in our comfort. For we do not want you to be unaware, brothers, of the affliction we experience in Asia. For we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death, but that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. He delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us. On him we have set our hope that he will deliver us again. You also must help us by prayer, so that many will give thanks on our behalf for the blessing granted us through the prayers of many. Then we turn to... Psalm 146, entitled here, Do not put not your trust in princes. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, O my soul. I will praise the Lord as long as, long as I live. I will sing praises to my God while I have my being. Put not your trust in princes, in the son of man, in whom there is no salvation. When his breath departs, he returns to the earth. On that very day, his plans perish. Blessed he whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord his God, who made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them, who keeps faith forever, who executes justice for the oppressed, who gives food to the hungry. 
The Lord sets the prisoners free. The Lord opens the eyes of the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. The Lord watches over the sojourners. He upholds the widow and the fatherless. But the way of the wicked he brings to ruin. The Lord will, ret- the Lord will reign forever. Your God, O Zion, to all generations. Praise the Lord. Yeah. Praise the Lord, O my soul. This is the word of the Lord to us this morning. Our text verse is verse 9 in 2 Corinthians 1. Did we felt that we had received the sentence of death, but that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. Also Psalm 146 verse 3. Put not your trust in princes, in a son of man in whom there is no salvation. My topic this morning, topic of the sermon, suffering's purpose is to to rely not on ourselves, but on God. Suffering's purpose is to rely not on ourselves, but on God. On God. Beloved in our Lord Jesus Christ, in Belgic Confession Article 5, there's a sentence that is of great value to us. For even the blind themselves are able to see that the things predicted in them do happen. And the things predict, predicted in them are a reference to the Word of God. We as Christians hold on and believe that God is in control. And when we look through the lens of God's word, we see that the things predicted in the word of God do happen and are getting fulfilled. Even the blind can see that all things are coming now to fulfillment. With all the heartache in the world, the confusion in this world, abortions, euthanasia, killings of the innocent, climate change, they say, recessions, draconian bills and laws, and so the list is getting longer and longer. Nations rage against one another. Open divisions against race. Wars and rumors of war. This war between Russia and Ukraine is raging on. It has the possibility of leading to World War III. There are famines. Just look at Africa. Earthquakes. And Christians are hated by everyone already. Matthew 24. These are the words of Jesus to look out for at the end of times. But also there's a sexual war, Romans 1. And when you do not affirm, you are cancelled. Also 2 Timothy 3. And Paul said, so will people be and so will the end times be. 
For people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. There are also strange things happening. And what sounded like conspiracy theories are now sold as the truth. About a week ago, the question was asked, are we alone in the universe? And then former Pentagon employee, employee David Grush told the U.S. Congress last week that UFOs are real. That the U.S. government has been withholding knowledge of non-human life on earth. For nearly a century. This is the greatest deception of all times. But this is the times we are living. And so there's an urgency in the air. And people are confused, depressed, longing for some comfort. People are longing for the gospel and the truth of God's word. This morning we will hear that God is the God of all comfort, who comforts us in our affliction, that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we are comforted by God. That's verse 4. Let me first explain what is affliction. Affliction is what we call today probably stress or pressure. It's what you, many of you, perhaps are feeling right now when you think about returning to work tomorrow. When you think of all the traffic. But it's also stress when what you face, when you face adversity or sickness. That's that feeling of the knot in your stomach. And it makes you feel anxious or troubled about what lies ahead. That's what makes for hectic days and sleepless nights. And then you ask, why is this happening to me? This morning we will hear that affliction's purpose is not to rely on ourselves but on God, who raised the dead. That's verse 9 of our Bible reading. And so the Bible is clear on who we should trust amidst affliction, persecution, times of persecution, times of deception. What should we do in times of affliction where we need hope? And we as Christians should proclaim and live more than ever, that you can only trust in our Lord Jesus Christ, in the Lord, and that He will provide. And so the Bible is also clear in Psalm 146, that we should not put our trust in princes, in a son of man, in whom there is no salvation. And if you can turn your Bibles to Psalm 146, because this is a psalm of great comfort, Psalm 146, 
is the psalm that testify about God's mercy. And when we slip into despair, depression, stress, we need to remember and trust in God's faithfulness to us, His congregation. And so the Jews called Psalm 146 the psalm of God's lavish mercy, which is a call to praise God. When Israel were in need, they sang Psalm 146. When there was a big crisis, they sang Psalm 146. And when we are in despair about world events, about things in my own life, maybe that's not right, maybe my marriage, we can also be reminded of God's faithfulness and that the gates of hell will never prevail over His church. That's this evening sermon, Matthew 16, verse 18. And so the psalmist praised the Lord in Psalm 146, and he praised him for his good deeds. He wants to praise the Lord all his life. It's the Lord alone that he can trust. Not people, because even the mightiest government is part of this mortal world, which cannot save. We read in verse 4, when his breath departs, he returns to the earth, and that very day his plans perish. And even those who we fear will die one day. Not princes or governments. Not even one person can save us. Not an employer, not a husband, not a wife. But only the Lord. Do not put your trust in the economy. The riches of this world. World leaders. Especially not money. Only put your trust in the Lord. The Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort. That's 2 Corinthians 2 verse 3. The God of all mercies. Put your trust in the Father of mercies, the God of Psalm 146. Only in the Lord we can trust. He's the mighty God, creator of all things. He made heaven and earth. He remained faithful for all eternity. He has compassion for the helpless, uphold the cause of the oppressed, but he frustrates the way of the wicked. And he is our only hope in uncertain times. World events. He's our hope when we are afraid that we will lose our job, our health. Even our life, and he gives strength and grace. If the murderer stands at your bed, but also the murderer of disease and cancer as well. And so we read in Psalm 146, he upholds the cause of the oppressed. He gives food to the hungry. The Lord does take care of all our physical needs, but also our spiritual needs. And he fed us with the bread of life, Jesus Christ. The Lord sets prisoners free. Also the prison of addiction like gambling, drugs, alcohol. The prison of our sins and our conscience. Depression. The Lord gives sight to the blind. So that we can faith in faith see our Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord leaves those who are bowed down through sickness, pain and sadness when you have lost a loved one. The Lord watches over foreigners. Immigrants in a new country, 
He sustains the fatherless and the widow. The Lord is just. He frustrates the way of the wicked. But he loves the righteous only in and because of Jesus. The Lord reigns forever, your God, O Zion, for all generations. And God is the Father of all mercies, who comforts us in our affliction. And this was the Apostles Paul Confession and 2 Corinthians 1. And now you can go to 2 Corinthians 1 in your Bibles as well. And so the Apostle Paul explained how we can have comfort amidst affliction. Paul experienced much affliction. But he confessed that he was comforted by God. But maybe you are asking this question as well. Why do we experience suffering and affliction as Christians? And then Apostle Paul explains in verse 5 that we share in Christ's sufferings. Jesus said that this would happen in Matthew 5 verse 11 to 12. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you, utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. And so the apostles rejoice in Acts 5, verse 41, when they were counted worthy to suffer this honor for Jesus' name. Jesus also said in Matthew 10 verse 22, And you will be hated for my name's sake, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. That's the life of a Christian. True believers will be hated for Jesus' sake, because he's the way, the truth, and the life. But it's a comfort that the reward is great in heaven if we are persecuted for his name. You've also heard this morning that Apostle Peter taught in his letter that we should rejoice in suffering. 1 Peter 1 verse 1 to 25. And when we are going through suffering, we're also going through a sanctifying process. This means that we become less of ourselves and more like Jesus. That's what sanctification means. Therefore Peter said, you are called holy. 1 Peter 1 verse 13 to 25. And so God chose individuals. He shaped them in Jesus to be God's building in God's church. And Jesus is the cornerstone, the first stone. And as we come to him, the living hope, God takes individuals, shape them in Christ, so that they can be a part of his church. And we are refined in him through sufferings. And we share in his sufferings, and we are sanctified in him through his spirit. And when we suffer, we feel pressure, affliction. But we are also comforted. We are comforted that God is in control, that God is the God of mercy, the God of Psalm 146. And then Paul gave the ultimate comfort in verse 5, for as we share abundantly in Christ's suffering, so through Christ we share abundantly in comfort too. 
If God is the source of all comfort, only God can comfort, then Jesus is the channel through whom this comfort comes to us. It's for Christ that comfort abounds. For Christ that we confess my greatest comfort in life and death is that I am not on my own, but belong body and soul in life and death to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. This means that in all relationships, our relationship with God, but also our relationship with others, we seek our comfort in the name of Jesus. This is why we pray in the name of the Lord. We are comforted in Christ, and therefore, we as Christians should comfort one another as well. And by doing this, we proclaim the gospel. Paul said in verse 4, So that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction. And when we do this, we are calling people to repentance, to the Lord, the only one who can comfort, but also to faith. The comfort we receive from God through Christ, we are to both give and receive from one another. Where we take care of one another, be sensitive to one another's feelings and emotions. Paul said in Romans 12 verse 15, Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. And all believers suffer. And we need to be honest about this to new believers. We suffer and will suffer when we are true to God's word. We will be reviled for our Christian service. We will be reviled because we follow Christ as Jesus was reviled in the cross. And so there's a cost to follow Jesus. But it's totally worth it. The eternal reward to hold on to God's word outweighs any suffering that you will endure for confessing Jesus' name and holding to his truth. And so Paul reminded his readers about suffering for the sake of Jesus. He did not promise immediate deliverance, but God's comfort, which they will experience as they patiently endure. Verse 6, patiently endure, trusting God that God is in control, that God is taking you through this path in your life. God is not taking it away. He's taking you through it so that you can be sanctified. And therefore you have to patiently wait, rejoicing that it enters in sight. Know that this too shall pass. But how can we know this? The Apostle Paul was telling the congregation in verses 8 to 11 about the sufferings that he experienced in Ephesus and he explained how God delivered him. He does not say in this passage what affliction was. But he confessed that it was almost too much to endure. We read in verses 8 to 9, For we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt that we have received the sentence of death. Those who experience depression, 
will understand Paul's words. Depression feels if you are not seeing the light. It feels if you are being weighed down. If you are taking to the depths of despair until it feels like you are being crushed. It means beyond your strength and power. And so we are not told what Paul's affliction was. Although we know from Acts 19 about his time in Ephesus, what happened to Paul. And if you read Acts 19, you see exactly what happened, that there was a riot and that Paul and his companions were beaten by an angry crowd. Christianity had made such an impact on that culture in Ephesus that a culture began to fight back. And the people started a riot because they were losing money. What will the effect be if we as a nation repent from all our idols? Our footy on Sundays, gambling, the things we love, the Australian dream. Let's be honest, there will also be resistance and riots. There's already. The crowd in Acts 19 was going wild and they wanted to kill Paul and his companions because they were taking their idols away, the source of income. And then, to make it worse, the Jews conspired against them as well, Acts 20. They almost killed him. Stony. But then Paul confessed, God delivered him. And in all this violence, even the sentence of death, he only had... One thing that he could do, he came to rely on God, verse 9, and he set his hope on God. That's our answer in the times we live on. We live. And so Paul demonstrates the purpose of affliction or suffering. This is to trust God. Sometimes we think, I can solve this. I don't need anyone's help. I'll keep it to myself. I can solve this. I'm strong. Or we expect the government to solve this. Centrelink. Remember the fires, how angry the Australians were because the government didn't help and the prime minister didn't visit. The government should do this. We're so used to this. Now the school should look after my children. And the Christian education of my children. And if it doesn't happen... I'm angry because I'm paying tax money. And if I don't receive my tax money back, I'm angry. The word of God teaches, do not put your trust in princes. Trust God. When you are helpless, God will provide and he will deliver you. He is the God who raises the dead, verse 9. Beloved, verse 9 is written in the present tense. It's so important to note. God raised Jesus from the dead, but He's also the one that will raise us from death. Therefore, we can have all confidence in Him. Whatever your situation is, God has delivered us from death, saved us from our sins through Jesus. Our sins are paid. That's the gospel. 
Oh, Jesus brought the true peace, the true comfort, the peace that no establishment or state or government can bring. Jesus brought true salvation and hope. Therefore, we are taught to not be blinded by your pain, by your lack of bread, maybe. Do not be blinded by world events and the things that are happening now. But see the Lord's hand in this. That the scriptures are coming in fulfillment. And even the blind can see. Expect Jesus, our Lord and King. And know that He is the only one who saves. Put your trust in the Lord and see that Jesus is the bread given to be filled for all eternity. Jesus is our only hope and when He comes back, He will come as the judge. And God gives us faith through His Spirit. Come Lord Jesus. The Lord also protects against His enemies that threaten His church. And so we read in Psalm 146 verse 9, the way of the wicked he brings to ruin. God is a holy God that will unpunish the unrighteous. But he's also the God to deliver. <coughs> the God in which we can trust with our circumstances. With our church, with our children. With my husband, my wife. He's the Lord that will bring the ultimate deliverance when He raises His people from the dead when Jesus returns. And Paul said to him, we can call in prayer. Verses 11. He's the Lord that delivered Paul from death. And we can set our hope in Him. The hope that He will deliver us again. Like Paul, who learned to trust God in all circumstances, even with an angry riot, an angry crowd that wanted to kill him. We should learn this as God's people as well. In my affliction, in your affliction. We should learn that we are not in control. God is. God is handling the situation. World events. And God promised that He will take us safely through our afflictions. And do not trust in your own ability, but rely on God and do this through prayer and by praying for one another. Suffering is sent to show us that we are not individuals living all alone in life. We are members of a family. We are members of a body. And we need one another. In joy and affliction. And when you have difficulty or a trial. Paul's advice. The Lord's advice. Share this with one another. So that they can pray for you. For many prayers Paul says. Will bring great deliverance. Verse 11. Sometimes we are blinded by technology. And our own strength. Our passage teaches us that in ourselves we are helpless. And that God is using suffering to rely on Him and one another. Beloved, we are living in times when the evil forces are many. When the deceit is great. And sometimes we can feel overwhelmed like Paul. In those days... 
those times, remember who you serve. You serve an almighty God and He is in control. And be confident that we, His church, will and can and stand firm in the hardest and the most challenging times because it's getting more challenging. It's getting more harder. Even when there will be bills and laws that want to forbid to proclaim God's word and full counsel. Even in the work society of ours today. But when you are in despair, pray, trust, read Psalm 146 and 2 Corinthians 1, and never put your trust in princes. Put your trust in God who can change all things. We have a God of eternal justice, and therefore we must fear Him for His holiness and righteousness. Praise Him for His great deeds, compassion and mercy, even in hard times. But above all, confess that God is in control. Confess that on your knees. God gives food to the hungry. He gave us Jesus, the eternal bread, so that we will never be hungry again. And so the psalmist said, Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Amen. Let us pray. Oh, Heavenly Father, you tell us so clearly why we suffer affliction. This is not to rely on ourselves, but so that we can rely on you, so that we can be shaped sanctified and becoming holy, less of ourselves and more of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, we can patiently endure. Lord, we're praying for your people. We're praying for your people that they will stand firm in times of affliction, that they will stand firm in times of sexual revolutions, that they will stand firm when there are laws that want to forbid them to proclaim your truth. Because your word rules, and you are ruling through your word and your spirit, and you are in control, and therefore we will not fear crowds, rioting, as it is happening around the world today as well. And we pray also for those nations we experience much affliction. We pray for those Christians who are openly persecuted for their faith. We pray for those Christians in India who are beaten by angry crowds. People who are killed for their faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. But we also thank you, Lord, that they can share in your suffering. That they can stand up for what they believe. And we pray that we will and can do this when the time comes as well. Father, be with your people. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.